Welcome to the Vibing Consciously podcast, where we explore the power of conscious living and elevating our vibrations. I'm your host, Kat, and I'm a metaphysician and energy healer. I specialize in healing trauma and guiding us on the journey to self-love. My purpose is to help the world heal through this pivotal time in history, and I'm honored to be here by my best friend and co-host, Sarah. I'll be here to help everyday people find ways to stay healthy while healing because it's essential to nourish our bodies as well as our minds in order to stay fit and create a life of joy. I dare you to take off the mask of perfection and show up as you are. Feel the freedom, the relief, the lightness, because when we are real, that's when we actually heal and those around us just might heal too. Welcome to the Vibing Consciously podcast. This is Kat here. And Sarah. And we are going to be covering a very exciting topic, the manifesting game. We've mentioned manifesting a few times in previous episodes, and by now I'm sure you're ready to jump into the nitty gritty. So here we are welcoming our first guest, Natalie Toskeech. Natalie is a law of assumption coach, and she teaches people how to create their reality from their imagination. Welcome, Natalie. Hello. We're so excited to have you here. I'm excited to be here. Thank you. So we're just going to let Natalie jump on into it. Cool. All right. I broke this down into kind of a four-part explanation to try to make it really simple for you guys. And to be honest with you, it is very simple. I think I think it can be overcomplicated, but it's really one of the simplest things about life if you can actually uh, jump on board and, and believe this because you can really create your dream life in your imagination. And it's really what Jesus taught in the Bible, but somehow it got completely misconstrued. But it's very, very simple. So number one is a mind diet. And what you really have to understand is that what you call reality in this 3D world is not reality. It's a it's a hologram of everything that's going on in your imagination, in your mind. The things that you think about every day, the things that you watch, the things that you listen to, all of that's being registered and it's kind of imagine like a like a projector screen coming from your forehead out in front of you and it really is everything going on in your mind is projecting outward into your life every single day. So, when you look at your life, and you say, well, my life is crap. There's no way I could have created this. You did. And when you look out and go, wow, my life is just magical. You created that too. So the great thing is, if you don't like what you see, the things that I'm going to teach you today can be changed and you don't have to live a crap life. So mind diet. I think the biggest thing, and I think Kat, I, you and I have talked about this, is uh, turn off the news. Yep. Because... The news really is just a, a way for the powers that be to keep you in fear all the time. They want you to believe that you're powerless. They want you to believe that you know negativity and danger is around every corner because if you can keep people in fear, then you can have control over them. Again, I believe that's what the churches have done. So when they came up with you know the devil, I don't believe in the devil, and I feel like that's a way to keep people in fear. So just, you know, the news, try it for 30 days. Don't turn on the news. Don't read any news. Don't care about what topics are going on in the world because it doesn't matter anyway. It doesn't matter. It, do- it won't affect you. If you're not a part of it, then it can't be a part of your consciousness, which is the goal here. Another thing is, and I was talking to Kat about this as well, is music. 
And my example of this is, and, and it's funny because in my older age, the only thing I really listen to now is, you know, nice classical piano and, you know, things that are just really soothing. Nature sounds, there's always spa music going on in my house. But I was thinking about this a few months ago, I was thinking about Taylor Swift. You know, she's so popular and, and everybody just loves her. And she seems like a really great girl. I don't know anything about her, but everybody really, really just loves her and thinks that she's really great. And, you know, I think she's 33, something, 33, 34 years old. And she's been at this music career for like 20 years. And all she seems to sing about is being dumped and how, you know, things aren't working out. Somebody else left her. Somebody else did her wrong. And, you know, I mean, they are sung with so much passion and so much went into these songs. I mean, you can hear it. And that's, and that's the thing is, you know, when you're putting so much passion into these words, then basically that's what you're projecting out. A girl like that shouldn't still be, I mean, if she wants to find love, what she seems to, she shouldn't have a hard time finding love. And I think the only way that she's gonna really find that love that she's looking for is stop singing about people leaving you. Right. You know, start singing about people staying or sing about something else, you know, just not people taking off on you. So my point to that is that's how powerful this stuff is. And if you can look at your own family, look at your mom, look at somebody you know really well, somebody that you can say, yeah, I, my dad's a pretty negative guy. I mean, I'm, I'm not my dad. I'm saying, look at your family, you know, and yeah, my dad's a pretty negative guy. He's always talking about how the world is out to get you and, you know, money's evil and people will screw you any way they can. And yeah, his life is pretty negative and people are always screwing him. And yeah, I guess I could see that. But then I've got my mom who is so positive and, you know, she just loves everybody and everybody just loves her. And you'll see it. Look at anybody in your life that you know well. So I just want to add too, because I love that you brought up Taylor Swift and how powerful that is. Look at Heath Ledger. Mm -hmm. and how affected his mental health was by his role in Batman. Mm -hmm. And that's how powerful it is. Even though he was playing this fictional character, he has to feel that emotion from that character as he's on that set. And you know that they practice at home. Jim Carrey was one who was known to stay in character all the time. And luckily, Jim Carrey was able to come out of it because he's a very spiritual guy now. But there are so many like Heath Ledger because I'm sure his world was projecting out a lot of what he was acting out on set, which is sad. Absolutely, absolutely. I think it's interesting that from Fast and the Furious, uh, Paul Walker, mm -hmm. he passed away in a horrific car accident. Oh my gosh, I've never even thought yeah. about that. And I often wonder about that because wow. what are the odds of that? Well, he right. even said that too. He's like, if I'm gonna go out anyway, it's gonna be in a car. There we oh go. Oh my gosh. There we go. So. So this stuff isn't hit or miss. This stuff is, oh, it works for you, but not for me. Or this is all the time, every day, 24 seven, this is how it works. Yeah. The mind diet is the most important thing. And the thing about it is you, it's like any other diet. If you had to lose, you know, I don't know, a hundred pounds, you have to stick to that diet. You can't do it for a couple of days and then stop doing it. You'll just gain the weight back or, you know, not lose anything. If you really want to change your life and you really want to start having control because you have all the control, your imagination is the eye of God. So that's how you create your world through your imagination. We are the only things that can imagine. We have that gift and we take it for granted because it's such a common word with children. Use your imagination or, you know, so we don't think about it. Imagination is the eye of God. So that's huge. 
Whatever you're imagining, you are projecting 100% of the time, all the time. It works for everybody. The 3D world is an illusion. The real world is your imagination. And I know that's gonna sound really weird to people because that's not what you've been taught. That's why people will make comments like, well, that's not reality. You gotta live in reality. Mm -mm. No, they're wrong. Reality is in your mind and you're projecting it every single day. If you can really understand this and really practice this, and you're gonna start seeing results right away and you're just gonna wake up and go, oh my God, I've been brainwashed this entire time to believe that I'm helpless. I had no control, that I was a victim. Most people have victim mentality. And when you can learn this stuff and when it starts showing up for you and it starts working, which it will, you're never gonna go back. You're just, you're gonna wake up and you're gonna wanna practice this more and more and more until it just becomes part of your life. It's no longer a diet. It's who you are. So that's the law of assumption part. What you assume about yourself is what you will project into the world. Albert Einstein said, I'm not going to quote it exactly, but something to the effect of, do you believe you live in a kind world? Something, something to that effect. And he said that because do you assume that you live in a great world where people are great and everything works out for you and you're a lucky person and everything goes your way? If you believe that, you will have that. Everything will go your way. The people, the circumstances, the situations, everything will go your way. You'll interact with one person and you'll go, gosh, that was a really cool person. And you'll tell your friend about that person. And that friend of yours who believes that this world is pretty negative and everybody's pretty crappy is going to get the other version of that person. And they're going to go, oh, really? That Mike guy? Oh, he's a jerk to me. Isn't that funny? You got one version because you believe that people are innately good. And your friend who believes that people are pretty crappy for the most part got the bad version of him. So that's also really important to understand that there's different versions of people and depending on what you assume about people and life in general, you're going to get that version. So that's pretty cool too. Second part, you have to be a little delusional. I know this sounds crazy too, because again, that's a word that can be used negatively in the world. You know, that person's just delusional. They don't know what they're talking about. They're delusional. It means you're crazy. And everything, you know, with mental health in this world and nobody wants to be called crazy. But you do have to be a little bit delusional to really understand this and to make it work for you because you've been brainwashed to believe. This actually isn't delusional. It's, it, I just have to use that word because everybody has been brainwashed to believe that they're living in the real world right now and that you are a victim and you're like a cork on the sea and you're just tossed this way and that way and you get what you get and you don't get upset, and it, but it's not like that. So I have to use the word delusional. You have to be a little delusional and believe that you create your reality and that you are projecting it from the inside out. So good example of this is, let's say you're doing your makeup and you look in the mirror and you've got lipstick on your teeth. Are you going to scratch the mirror where your teeth are to try to get the lipstick off? No, that would be silly. That's only gonna leave a smudge on the mirror. That's not gonna do anything. And it's because you have to go on the inside. But that's what people do is they think, they see the mirror as the world. They try to manipulate things in the 3D world to make it and adjust it to what they want. But really, it, you have to go in. You go in, in your imagination, and you see whatever that situation is, you see it the way you want it to be. 
and then you project that out. There's nothing to be done in the 3D world. Everything has to be done in the 4D world first, and that'll be, be projected into the 3D. That's the delusional part. You just, you have to believe this. You have to believe that you can do, be, have anything. The third part is, and this is important, and I don't think it's talked about enough in the manifesting community, is whatever it is that you're working on, whatever manifestation. So let's say you've done the first part, you're practicing your, your mental diet, you've done the second part, you understand that you have to be a little delusional, a little crazy, you have to be able to believe this stuff and just test it out for yourself. You don't have to make a full commitment. Test it out for a couple of weeks, for a month. The next part is keeping whatever it is you want a secret. What happens is people get really overzealous about this and they say, oh my gosh, I heard about this manifesting thing and I can create my own reality. I'm gonna give it a try. So I'm gonna try to manifest this really great car. I'm gonna try to manifest a Porsche. And then they tell all their friends. Well, then what happens is their friends most likely have never heard of this and will poo-poo their idea and will go, you're crazy, man, that, that'll never work. What are you talking about? You're nuts. And all of that energy that you had for this gets dispersed and just basically disintegrates because you, you let all of this out to people who don't believe. And it's like a, a good analogy is like you planted a seed and it's under the soil and you're telling everybody about, you know, oh, I just planted this beautiful rose garden. And they're like, no, you didn't. You didn't do that. And you're like, no, no. And you dig it up and you're like, see, there's the seed. And so now you just dug it up and now you're like, you have to put the dirt back on and you, you know, you're like, okay, now I'm going to do it. And then somebody else comes along and you want to guess what I'm doing. And then you dig it up again because nobody believes you. So you dig it up again. And by this time now that thing's not growing because you've already dug it up a bunch of times and now it's pretty much ruined. You want to keep this stuff a secret, whatever it is you want, keep it in until it manifests. And then after it manifests, tell everybody what you did. And you know what I do is I've started text messaging myself because I, I do have a few people in my family that I'm trying to teach this stuff to that have been raised with very different beliefs. And I, I have to very patiently teach them this so they don't get overwhelmed. And so what I do is I text message myself the manifestation and then it'll usually happen within a few days. And then I can show them the text message that was dated so that then I can show them that way that they can believe me. But you don't want to go out and talk about your manifestation because it really does. There's something about putting that energy out there and when people poo-poo it, you know, it, it makes you not believe in yourself and, and then nothing comes of it. So keep it a secret until it's done. And lastly, this was in the Bible, Sabbath. What is Sabbath? Well, I'm a big follower of Neville Goddard. And Neville Goddard is who has taught me about imagination being the eye of God. And I've been following Neville now for about a decade and, and his stuff just really resonates with me. And Sabbath, which is also in the Bible, the, you know, on the seventh day, God rested. Well, the way that Neville Goddard sees Sabbath is you have a, a manifestation and what you do, and this is kind of, now this is a step-by-step. -step, so you have something you want. I don't know. Let's say it's a, let's say it's a Porsche. And right before you're going to bed, Neville Goddard talks about something called SATS, sleep akin, state, sorry, state akin to sleep. As you're dozing off in bed, you want to create an imaginal act that would be after you have gotten your manifestation. So for example, you want a Porsche. You want to maybe imagine you pulling up to your dad's house 
who your dad's always wanted a Porsche in his life, maybe. And so now you've got this Porsche, maybe in your imaginal act. This is all in the imagination. You see yourself, and you have to be driving the Porsche, by the way. You can't be watching this like a movie screen. You have to be in the seat of the Porsche. And in your imaginal act, you are feeling the steering wheel in your hands. You're feeling your foot on the pedal. You're feeling the leather around you. You see what color it is. You see what color everything is. You feel everything. Use all of your senses for this. So you see yourself maybe pulling up to your dad's house and honking the horn and having your dad come out with his jaw just dropping, going, oh my God, son, you've got to be kidding, and seeing the excitement on your dad's face and then taking him for a spin in your new Porsche. And you do that until you fall asleep over and over and over again. Imagine that same act until you fall asleep. Do this every night and then something's going to happen where you just don't feel like you can imagine that anymore. You feel like you somehow feel like you already own that Porsche or that that Porsche is going to be showing up on your doorstep any day with the same certainty that you have of an Amazon package that you, you know it's coming, you place the order, Amazon always comes through. So you have this certainty that the Porsche is coming and it's not even a question. This is the delusional part. It's not even a question. You're just waiting for the delivery. That's when you're in Sabbath. That's when you can rest and now know that whatever it is that you want, the Porsche, let's say, is on its way. It'll be here any day. And then divine timing comes in. And when you're meant to have that Porsche, you will have it. And it's usually much sooner than you would even think. This isn't something that's going to take years, most likely. If you're practicing what I'm teaching you and you're doing the techniques every single night and you're really following through with this, and then in the daytime, you're doing the same thing. You just, you're imagining that Porsche and you're like, done. It is done. That's what's on my license plate, by the way. It is done. <laughs> And that's, again, the delusional part. Nobody can sway you. But that's why you don't say anything. That's why you don't tell anybody about this. You keep it in your mind and you just know it's done. Don't give anybody the opportunity to crap on your manifestation. It's in your mind. You know it's done. Something else, too, is you don't want to worry about how it's going to come to you. Because a lot of people get caught up in how, okay, I'm broke. How am I going to get a Porsche? Don't worry about how, but always take opportunity. So if you go to the mall and you see like an entry for a free Porsche, win a Porsche. Put your name on that entry and don't think, oh, this doesn't happen. It is your reality. That Porsche belongs to you. And sometimes it can't find you unless you can step out of your comfort zone and take the opportunity. And you might also have to go to the dealership or something like that. Don't ever worry about how but take the opportunity when it arises. Absolutely. So, and that is a big one. Don't ever worry about the how because the how is, is something that you could never imagine. You think you know how and you don't know how. So that's kind of like, imagine yourself driving on, a, on an old dirt road and it's pitch black and you've got your headlights on. All you can see is what's in front of you. But here's the thing, God can see the whole picture. We're very narrow-minded. You know, in the 3D world, we can only see so much. So that's not our job. Our job is not to know the how. And that's the funnest part when this stuff happens is that you're just like, oh, man, I would never even thought about that. Funny story. I was trying to teach my son. My At that point, he was 11 years old. I was trying to teach him about this. And, and Neville Goddard has a technique that you guys can all do. It's called the ladder technique. And... What you do is you imagine yourself 
climbing a ladder. So you, in your mind, as you're falling off to sleep, you picture a ladder. You picture what the ladder feels like under your hands. In my case, I wanted to be very, very, very specific because I wanted to prove to my son that this is real. And my son is very academic, very science-minded, and so he thinks a lot of this is baloney. So <laughs> I really wanted to prove to him that this is real. So I told him, I said, Vuk, I'm going to be climbing a ladder in my imagination. It's a pink wood ladder, and it's going to show up in the 3D world. And when it does, I want you to know, you're the only one I'm telling this right now. I want you to know that I created this from my imagination. And I said, don't say anything. Don't poo-poo anything. Just watch mom do this. He was like, okay, mom, you show me what you got. Neville Goddard, when he would teach this stuff, Neville is long dead. He taught this stuff back in the 40s and the 50s and the 60s. He traveled around and, and he didn't charge anybody for anything. He did all of this for free. He just wanted to teach people how to take control of their lives. So he would tell the group, he would say, you've got three days to climb that ladder in reality. The same ladder you climbed, you have three days for that ladder to appear in your 3D reality. If it doesn't, don't come back to my next course. You're not ready. If it does, come on back and I'll teach you more. So only about maybe 30, 40% would come back because they were the ones that were taking it seriously and they saw the ladder in the 3D reality. They ended up climbing a ladder. So it, it, it took a day and as I was going to sleep, I pictured this pink wooden ladder and I chose a pink wooden ladder on purpose. I didn't want it to be a, a, a ladder that you see every day, a metal ladder, because I, then my son could say that's just a coincidence. And so I wanted to, I've never seen a pink wood ladder anywhere. So I wanted to really choose something that he couldn't write off as coincidence. And so as I was falling asleep, I saw this pink wood ladder in my imagination and I felt myself put my right foot on the first part of the ladder and my right hand on the side of the ladder. I pushed myself up, put my left foot on and I just climbed and you climb up and down, up and down, up and down until you drift off to sleep. And this is the interesting part. Neville says the next day, write a note that says, I will not climb a ladder and post it everywhere. And this is different from what I was saying a moment ago about words are so powerful. And his point to that was, it's the feeling that's behind the words, which is why I mentioned the Taylor Swift thing, you know, the feeling that goes behind her lyrics. You could easily just say, I'm going to be hit by a car. And if it has no feeling, if, you do, if it doesn't affect you at all, those words are just point, you know, it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. It's the feeling that's behind the words. You can easily just say, I'm not going to climb a ladder. But here's the other part of that, that it's like the pink elephant or don't mention pink elephant. All you can picture is a pink elephant. When you see those words, you're still going to think about climbing a ladder. So even though the words say, I'm not going to climb a ladder, you're going to still, it's going to keep bringing to, your, to the forefront of your mind, ladder, ladder, ladder. So I did all of that. And within three or four hours, my husband was off that day and he was, um, he wanted to replace the screens on our storm door. And he said, gosh, I think we have some in the attic. And I had never been into our attic. I don't even think I knew where our attic was because when we moved into that house, it was him and his dad who went in there and did all of the setting up of everything. I didn't, I didn't know where anything was. And, and so he, um, he calls me, he says, Natalie, I need your help with something. And I, and I said, where are you? And he's like, I'm in, I'm in the closet in our room. And so I said, okay, be right there. So I went in there and our attic has a ladder that you open it and it comes down, like folds down into steps. And my heart like almost came out of its chest because right there 
was our pink wood ladder that I didn't even know existed. And you have it there to remind you all the time, all the time. in your house. All That's the time. Incredible. It's actually on my on my Apple phone or my Apple Watch. It's my little screensaver on there is the is the pink ladder. And I said and I called my son and I was like, Voot, come here. And he comes in and I go, What color is this ladder? And my son looks at it and he goes, Pink. And I said, What did I just tell you yesterday? And he goes, Oh my God. And I was like, I had no idea this was here, Vuk. I had no idea. And so it was just crazy. And, and, and so that's a great, it's a great in- introduction into this uh, manifesting world to do the ladder technique. And again, don't see yourself from a distance climbing the ladder. Feel it yourself. Go up and down, up and down, up and down. And do that for like three nights in a row and see what happens. You're going to end up climbing a ladder. Mm-hmm. So very cool. And to finish with Sabbath, when you know you're in Sabbath, there's another part to that where you can fall out of Sabbath. And and so if you do, if you find yourself like falling out of Sabbath, go right back to your visualization and start doing your state akin to sleep, imaginal acts. And then you'll get back into Sabbath within a few days and you'll know you're in Sabbath when you just can't imagine anymore. It's kind of like I have, an, I have a, the newest iPhone, let's say. I already have it. So me trying to do an imaginal act with it would be silly because I already own the damn thing. So that's kind of how it feels when you're in Sabbath. You don't even want to do the imaginal act anymore because in your mind, you already have it. So it feels weird to do the imaginal act that Sabbath. So let me ask you a question because I do a lot of manifesting. You guys know the house that we live in right now, we manifested it to a T. It's incredible. But sometimes we have stumbling blocks and I have people come to me all the time trying to manifest this thing. I'm doing the exercises, but it just won't work. So what do you do when you come across stumbling blocks? Well, the thing is, is it always works. So 100% of the time. So you just have to keep the imaginal acts going. You just have to keep seeing it. You have to just know, know, know that it's done. And it will come. But again, that's like the flower technique where you plant the flower and it's just about to poke through. This is another flower analogy. It's just about to poke through. And then you say, never mind, this crap's not working. And the flower goes back down into the soil. It was just about to break through. So if you're doing the work and you're believing that it's done, that it's a done deal and you're keeping it a secret and you're not, you know, throwing that energy out, dispersing that energy to everybody and feeling bad. You know, if you're doing all the right steps, it will happen. It always happens. Sometimes it takes a little longer. And sometimes I've never found though that it ever takes years. I find that it can take anywhere from a week to six months, maybe a year. And that just depends on how much resistance you have towards it. Right. So that's where, that was what I was looking for is the resistance or limiting beliefs. Because I know for me, and I've said this on the podcast before, I've dealt with feelings of unworthiness. And when I'm trying to manifest a million dollars, I have never, I couldn't even fathom having a million dollars in my possession. I've never envisioned that for myself, but now I'm on this manifesting game. I know it's possible, but I still could have the limiting belief okay, well, if I'm a millionaire, am I going to feel guilty about that? Like, how am I going to approach my family and friends? Am I going to tell? Am I even going to tell people? Mm -hmm. If you have those types of thoughts Mm -hmm. in your head, 
those were the the resistance that you're talking about the stumbling blocks that'll get in your way so if you're not manifesting because like natalie said it works like clockwork every single time because that's how the universe works it's just the rules of of the universe but limiting beliefs and resistance will get us every time. Well, for sure. And so what you would need to do is you would need to work on those limiting beliefs first. Mm-hmm. And you need to bust those. And I remember thinking, I don't know, this was about three or four years ago, I had limiting money beliefs. And I know where it came from because I I never had them before. And when I married my husband, he comes from a country, he, he's from Serbia. And in that country, people really do think money's evil. They hold on to couches will get passed down from generation to generation until they're pretty much disintegrating. You have very limiting beliefs in that country and money beliefs. And you really, you're lucky to have a roof over your head, that type of stuff. Well, I've been married to him for 15, 16 years. And somehow I took on his beliefs along the way. And I lived in that country for a little while as well. And it had those beliefs of, gosh, I just feel so lucky to even have anything, you know? And it, it was about three or four years ago I was constantly struggling with money and just always had enough just to get by. And which was my belief, by the way, as long as I have enough to get by, I should be so grateful. And I was like, God, why can't I break through that next step? You know, that, that next financial step where I just want to make, I want to make more. But anyway, I realized I had these limiting beliefs and I had to really look at myself and I had to go, do I think money, you know, I was judging people. I thought people who had money were shitty. You know, and I thought all people who had money were selfish and greedy. And and I had all of these ideas about people with money. Oh, and I think I had another limiting belief of, oh, if I have a bunch of money, maybe my husband and I will split up. Maybe, you know, that's going to put a put a wedge between us and and he'll want to go out and live a different life. And I'll want to go out and live a different life. And and then maybe if I have all this money, you know, I, I oh, another one was because I'm because I'm full figured. I was like, oh, chubby girls can't have money. You know, only pretty, very thin girls can have money. I have the, and what's so crazy is I think about those beliefs now and I'm like, what the heck? Those are hilarious. And once I busted through those, and I want to say it took me about two months to bust through those. And it was a lot of journaling, a lot of affirmations, a lot of just I don't really, I personally, I know you do shadow work. I don't do a lot of shadow work. I actually don't do it at all. I, I do a lot of journaling and a lot of affirmations. And and it took me a few months and those beliefs were gone. And I took on a new reality. I was a new Natalie, which is what happens, by the way. When you shift in your mind, you turn into a new version of yourself, like a parallel reality almost. Mm-hmm. So even though the 3D earth doesn't change, you change in it. And so I was a new version of Natalie and all of a sudden money just started rolling in in unexpected ways that I could never imagine. And that check that I had written myself, kind of like Jim Carrey did, that I had written myself of what I wanted to make a month, not only started coming in monthly, but way beyond that. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, wow. So that's the assumption I had assumed for so long these certain beliefs that I was not worthy for whatever reason of this money. But as soon as I did the work and busted those silly, silly, silly myths about money and about all, you know, all that silly stuff and broke through, the money just came pouring in and it was just a new version of myself. So yes, you may have to do a little bit of work first. You know, you have to ask yourself with whatever it is you want, do you believe you can have that? Because if you don't believe you can have it, 
you're not going to be able to do the visualization really well because your your subconscious will will know that it's bullshit you know yeah and it's funny because it seems as if that's a whole point of coming here like we are raised up with all of these limiting beliefs for so long and it's like we hit a point in our life where we say i'm ready for more i'm ready for better i know that i deserve more and better and then like dolores cannon said we all come here to learn how to manipulate energy and money is energy just like everything else is and it even though you're manifesting money you're working on yourself you're bettering yourself through this whole process and i feel like you're rewarded every time oh yeah i was just gonna say i did that check thing Mm -hmm. that you're speaking of yeah i have a box that i got from cat like a happy box or whatever and you told me about writing a check Mm -hmm. well I wrote the check and that's why I was just giggling because I was like oh my god I forgot about that check (laughs) where is it I already have that money it's still in my box okay you already have it I already have the money but I forgot all about that check because the whole time I was like I already have the money just I can't see it but it's already there and that is interesting is people will often forget how they even started the manifestation in the first place, like their first step of either writing the check or writing a note to themselves or whatever it was. What Neville calls it is a bridge of incidences. You start the manifestation, you, you have to know what you want first and then feel worthy of whatever it is you want. So do the work for that. And then you start what's called a bridge of incidences. And so what will happen is, let's say it's a, a job you want, the CEO of this company that you really love, you know, CEO of, you know, some big company. Well, what will happen is, is you'll start the imaginal act. So you'll start yourself thinking as you're falling, as you're drifting to sleep. This also actually works for me. And I love this as well. In the morning, when your eyes just open, but you're not, you're still in the dream state, sort of, but you're, yet you've got one foot and, you know, in this 3D world, that's a great time to do these imaginal acts as well. And I'm telling you, when you do it like that in the morning, when you actually do wake up, it's almost like, whoa. I don't even know what reality I'm in right now because I really feel like I just drove that Porsche. And you almost expect to see a Porsche sitting out in your driveway because you don't know what's real anymore. So I actually really like this uh, state akin to sleep in the morning. Back to you want to be a CEO of a huge company, let's say. So what's going to happen is you're going to do your visualizations either at night or in the morning or both. I prefer both. And you're going to do your visualization of you sitting in your corner desk at this company and maybe some somebody walking in going man it's so good to have you running this company you're such a great guy you know whatever it is you want to imagine but it's after you've already been hired so it's that that's very important after you imagine this over and over and over again what's going to happen is in the bridge of incidences things people situations are going to all of a sudden start rearranging themselves in your world and you're going to meet somebody you're going to meet somebody at starbucks who you hit it off with and you start talking and they, uh, you know, they tell you that their dad works here and then, and all of a sudden you're now connected over here. And that is how it all comes together. It's the, the world literally reorganizes itself for you. And then you meet this person and then this situation happens and then that situation happens. And before you know it, you're sitting at that desk and that guy's coming in going, Hey man, I'm so happy that, that you are a new boss and that you run this place because I've heard so many great things about you and and you're just good, you know and then and then you almost forgot that you even did the visualizations because it's a very natural feeling a lot of people think that it just like falls out of the sky which some things by the way can fall out of the sky but a lot of things like that 
it has to be a bridge. And sometimes walking over that bridge takes time. The right people will come and the right situations will come, but you'll get there. You'll inevitably get there. And something else too, whenever my manifestations come to life, I always show gratitude in that moment. And I think that that's what it brings even more because there have been times like you're saying where the world will rearrange itself. And in those moments I'm going, Oh, I know it's coming. It's coming. And then once it happens, I'm like, wow, I just orchestrated that so beautifully because you can say it's God, but like you said, you're, it's like a projection coming out of your third eye. It's your vision. You are God. You are creating this and you have to give yourself credit for that. All of this just came together so beautifully and I am so grateful hundred percent for all this information that I have now hundred percent hundred percent and I always love to think of it like God and I are co-creators and he's the pilot and I'm the co-pilot mm -hmm. and I will literally be like look what we did God wow look what we did and I like literally see him as like him and I in the cockpit of something you know it's like this really funny visualization I have and I'm like giving God a high five and I'm like we did it you know and and um but yeah that's exactly it you made this creation with God you are God you're an extension of God and uh, you guys are creating this together. You're basically just telling God what you want and God's going, let's do it. And he, he makes it all happen and you're just like along for the ride. Right. And it's very cool. But you do have to jump on the, this is the important part. You do have to jump on the, when the, when the person does come into your life, when you do meet that person at Starbucks and he gives you his phone number, call that phone number. Right. So you're going to have the situation. You're going to have the right people, the right places, the right situations, the right, you're going to have all that come to you. Then you act on that. Yep. But you're not going to have to go out and do anything if you do this right. It will all come to you and you respond to whatever that is. The interview will come to you, show up. The phone number will be given to you, call the number. You can't just sit on your couch. But I'm also saying you also don't have to go out and try to manipulate this. Just respond to what comes to you. And, that's, and, it, and it will. It'll all come to you. It's pretty amazing. I have so many stories about that. I have so many cool stories about that. Now, with the visualization, yeah, that's a thing that, for me, if I was to sit there and visualize something in the morning, in the evening, I would, honestly, and this is probably the blockage part mm -hmm. that you were discussing, I would be like, I'm crazy. <laughs> I'm crazy. I'm sitting here daydreaming about X, Y, and Z, you know, a Range Rover, or this, or that, whatever. How do you get past that block? I mean, I know you said affirmations and this and that, but how do you... You have to be a little delusional. Yeah. You have to believe in the magic. You know, you have to believe in the magic. And you it's, it's rewiring, Sarah. You know, it's... We've all been so hardwired to believe one thing, which, you know, in this country, it's like Christianity, I think. Uh, mm -hmm. you know, some Catholicism, a lot of religion, which we're meant to believe. And, and that all stems from fear all from fear people don't want you to think you have any control because if you feel like you have control i think the illuminati probably know all of this it's, oh absolutely you know what i mean it's, it's just um you come to this world asleep and i think the goal is to slowly wake up and it's almost like god is whispering to you wake up wake up you have all the power wake up and you either listen to that which Sarah you're on your way to that you've had that thing tapping on your shoulder for a while you're way ahead of the game because most people won't even consider this mm -hmm. they've been so brainwashed, and you've been brought up so religious 
but yet you're still having this calling and you don't know what it is. So like I told you, you know, you've got one foot in their reality and one foot in this reality, which is the real reality, if you ask me. And you're just trying to figure it all out. But most people have both their feet buried in cement in their reality that they've been brought up with. Yeah. And, and you can show them this. all the proof. Yeah, oh, You yeah. can show them all the proof in the world and they still won't believe you. Mm-hmm. But that's a part of their journey. It's not time for them to wake up yet. Right. So don't let them be a speed bump in your manifestation. Mm-hmm. You just go right on over that thing. Mm-hmm. Yep. yep. Keep it moving. Don't believe what they're saying. Like yep. you're saying, don't tell them your manifestation, mm-hmm. but you can tell them the process until you're blue in the face. It's mm-hmm. up to them if it's time to wake up or not. Yeah. Don't waste your energy oh, on yeah. it. Yeah. No, no, no. And you can't wake people up. It really has to be, it has to be between you and God. Nobody can do that for you. No physical being can do that for you. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just, but you are, you're slowly, you're slowly getting there. And the freedom that comes with feeling like this, you think you're connected to God through Christianity. It's nothing like the connection you have with God when you know that you are that. Mm-hmm. You are the creator. You are an extension of the creator. Christians believe that God is separate from them, that yeah. God is in the sky, or yeah. I don't know what you believe, but maybe, yeah, God's in the sky, I think, because that's where you guys look, I think, when you're talking to God. Well, <laughs> <laughs> We don't really look to the sky, but... <laughs> I did. I did. When I was a Christian, when I was practicing religion, that's exactly where I would go, right to the sky, because I think innately we all know that God is something in the sky, the universe. Yeah. But we look at him as separate Yeah, we believe religion. that he is up there, but right. when we pray to him, we close our eyes, we bow our head, because we're not... Basically, it's we're not worthy enough to look up to him. Oh, that's awful. So... When we pray, and I mean, honestly, I still do this because it's, I mean, I've been doing it for 30 something years. So when we, when I pray, it's, you know, like this, because I'm not allowed to look up because you cannot look at God. But when you explained it to me the other day, uh, we're an extension. She keeps saying we're an extension of God. Well, mm-hmm. you got to think of an octopus. This is the way she described it. You got to think of an octopus. He's the main part and we're the legs. Mm-hmm. And that made so much sense to me i was like oh my god keep speaking (laughs) do you want to know something funny and this happens to sarah all the time um in one of our other episodes i said if what if we're god's arm we're still a part of god right Right. and then she said the octopus (laughs) but again you certain things don't register in your brain until it is time to register and sarah you were just telling me this morning that somebody told you about um alan watts and it never you're like oh yeah alan watts whatever but now it's time for you to listen to what he's saying now that stuff is finally resonating with you because it's time because you've opened up that gate because i swear it's like we have different gates that we have to go through and open and this has happened to me before too yeah i listened to dolores cannon very early in my spiritual awakening and listening to her now is totally different i i I hear you and i feel the same way about books i'll I'll buy a book and and i'll this was years actually i should say this was years ago I'm, i'm i'm not quite like this now but I bought books years ago and I opened them up and I was like, oh no, this is like, I don't even understand what this guy's saying. This doesn't make any sense to me. And then two years later, I'll pick up that same book and it, it and it's like reading a kindergartner's book, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm just like, oh yeah. So I, I wasn't ready then. I kind of have to, 
gradually work yourself up to what I think is Jesus's state. Because the, if you ask me, Jesus just knew all of this. He wasn't, he's not anybody to worship. He said in the Bible, do not worship me. He said that. He said, I am you. And so he didn't want people worshiping him. He was like, just listen to what I'm telling you. You and the Father are one. The Father resides of you. The kingdom is in you. You and the Father are one, but the Father is greater than you. But you are one and the Father resides in you. And that is truth. He said it over and over and over again. So in my mind, Jesus was like the ultimate manifester. Well, funny thing is, too, they've actually shown now that Jesus was raised by monks. Yeah. Until he was 17, 18 years yeah. old. Yeah, when he disappeared for seven years, he was like over there in the East, yeah. learning all that stuff, you know, all the Eastern, which is basically this stuff, you know, like we was. Right. Know, so. Where did they find that? I don't know. I don't remember. So I have all of this information in my brain, and half the time I cannot tell you the source of it. Mm. It's just something that I pull out, but I'm sure I that see. you can look it up. Yeah, you can look that up. It's, it's It's been in a lot of sources where, you know, when you, in the Bible where there was that gap where... Where is Jesus? See, this is this is the religion part kicking in here. I've been raised reading the Bible and what the Bible says is correct. So when you say that, I'm like, wait, my brain immediately goes, nope, nope, nope. That's not what the Bible says. That defensive state. Yeah. But what the Bible says is correct. It's 100% correct. It's how you read the Bible and interpret yeah. the Bible. Because yeah. the Bible was mostly metaphors because they didn't, yes. like we were discussing before, they didn't have the verbiage that we have now. They didn't speak as fluently as we do now with all these different words and letters. And, right. You know, it was mostly metaphors. Yeah, I believe the Bible is correct. It's just how many different, interp- this is another thing I'm dealing with, is how many different interpretations do we have of it? Oh, so many. How many times have it been reinterpreted like I'm like so basically I'm having to take stuff from the Bible that resonates with me and the rest of it absolutely because I, I, I that's a that is a real struggle for me right and there. it's like the telephone game yeah 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 it just gets so diluted so many people rewriting it you know to, to fit their agenda by the way but no if you you look at the you know the old the original old Bible maybe not the original original but the you know the the way the Bible was written without it being done a million times. You can read it, but you have to, you have to like, exactly like Kat just said, you have to know that it was metaphors. You have to know that this, like I told you when we were talking the other day, the, what, what a word meant 2000 years ago mm-hmm. has a very different meaning today. Yeah. And, and that's where the Alan Watts, the Neville Goddards, there's so many different authors. They quote the Bible all throughout their lectures and their books. As a matter of fact, every like every paragraph that they say, they say, go back to Proverbs, you know, 22, whatever, and you'll see it's right mm-hmm. there. And then you'll go look at that verse and you'll go, oh my God, I thought that meant something completely different. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, I was explaining to Sarah, I was like, you know, what did the word back in the 50s, what did we call cigarettes? I don't remember. I don't know. Fags. A cigarette was a fag. Yeah. So they're like, you know, hey, can you pass me a fag? And and look at that word now. And how you don't even say that word, obviously, now. You can't even talk about if like an old man comes in that lived in the 50s and still calls it that, people would go, (gasps) you know, and he was like, oh, I didn't know. And so we're, and so now we're talking, that was only 50, 60, 70 years ago. Imagine 2,000 years ago. So what's great about these authors and, and these spiritual guys like Alan and Neville and all these different people, Florence Gobbleshin, they are able to look at the Bible and 
give you paragraph by paragraph and say, this is what that word meant mm -hmm. then, this is what it means now. We could all do that as well, but it would take a lot of time. And mm -hmm. so I love that we have these people to reference that you know have done it for us. And we can look at a Bible verse that will seem so scary and would say something like, you've sinned and shall be cast into the fiery pits of hell. And you're like, oh my God. You'll have Alan come along who'll go, well, that word sin doesn't mean then what it means now. That actually means that you missed your mark and that you've been given God powers, but you're not using them. So that's, you know, disappointing, which is really what sin is. You've, you're disappointing, you know, so come on, go, you know, and the hell part is the world you're living in now. Right. It's not a fiery pit. It's what you're creating for yourself now. So that's where it's like, you know, it just, you uh, Christians are meant to believe that there is a fiery pit below. Mm -hmm. And if you don't do what that Bible tells you to do, you're going there. How scary is that? Yeah, I think hell is our shadow self and the things that we create from our shadow. So the reality that we create through the fear right. and the shame and the judgment and all that, I think that that is hell. And the heaven that we create is this 5D reality of manifesting at yeah. will, knowing the rules of the game. That's the heaven. We can have heaven right now if we knew about the mechanics of the quantum field, which we're learning so much more about now. And we all know people who are living in heaven and hell on this earth. Right. We can. We all know them. When you have that guy that's so miserable all the time, that believes that this is a horrible place and everybody's trying to screw him, that guy's living in his own personal hell. Mm -hmm. Nothing ever goes my way. Everybody's out to get me. Everybody's a shyster. That guy is living in his own personal hell. And then you have those people, and I, I have this quote that I made up myself. If you can, if you can see through rose-colored glasses, your life will always be rosy. Yes. And people like to say, well, that's not reality. And again, that's where I have to go, the reality is in your imagination. This right. isn't the reality. You're creating the reality. Yeah. It's their reality. Like Julia yeah. Cannon says, I love this, and I have adopted this from her. Not in my world. Right. Well, thank you, Natalie, so much for being here. This has been an amazing conversation. I love talking about manifesting, and we are definitely going to have you on again. Oh, thank you. I had so much fun with you mm -hmm. girls. I learned a lot. Oh, good. <laughs> all right. Well, that's all for the manifesting game. Thank you for joining us again on Vibing Consciously. Namaste. Bye. Thank you for joining us on this journey of self-discovery and healing. We hope the discussions and practices we've shared have helped you raise your vibration and find more peace and balance in your life. Remember to be kind to yourself and listen to your body and trust the process. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and follow us on social media at Vibing Consciously Podcast for more insights and inspiration. If you have any suggestions for future topics or guests, we'd love to hear from you. Until next time, keep shining your light and spreading your love and positivity wherever you go. Namaste.